You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. We've been exploring a a pre-vision series. Uh, uh, Culture always precedes vision. And so that's why this series has been entitled, uh, What I See Shapes Who Will Be. So that's the phrase that I've wanted you to be having in your cars as you drive to work or you're driving to see a friend. What I see shapes who will be. The way in which you view the fundamental function of the church, not just the form of church, shapes who we will become. Because in seasons of transition and new vision, people often jump straight to the form. Oh, we need to be a community-based church or a missional-based church. Or, uh, they're all the forms. We want to look at the function and we've been asking, what if moving forward we are a gospel-centered church? A lot of people go, well, aren't we a gospel-centered church? Yes, but what does it mean to apply that out into our everyday lives? And so we've seen that the gospel-centered church can give rise to a number of ministry fronts. You know, the, the gospel-centered church emerges in ministry fronts that, for example, the uh, up-down nature, the incarnational nature of the gospel, that Jesus is a servant, changes the way that we relate to others. That uh, the, the inside-out relationship, that uh, the gospel changes the way that we relate to outsiders, that Jesus died for people that are different from him. And what we'll see this morning is that the forward-back nature of the gospel the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he, he did something, he altered death in history, changes the way that we relate to the culture around us. And so the question is, what is Northside's culture then? What is the culture that we sit in? And I don't, don't know about you, but if you've ever had the privilege to uh, fly down from the Gold Coast, Gold Coast in those cosy Jetstar planes and look out the window, I, I often love to look out the window and I love to try and point out to Kristen and Zach when they're with me, oh, there's Northside. There it is. You look at the, the forum and you can see St. Leonard's and you're going down over the Lane Cove National Park and I go, there's Northside. And then I was reflecting that really last time I was doing it, that's not Northside at all. I mean, when, when, when the, it's more when the plane banks all the way out over city and I think about the connection group that we've got in Parramatta and I think about uh, people that are working in roads and I think about people that are on the northern beaches and I think about people that are in Maroubra and I think about all of our office workers in the CBD, I go, that's where Northside sits culturally, right? Northside doesn't reside here on the corner of Oxley Street and Pole Lane and so that is that the primary presence of our church is primarily where we work and so if we recognize that in any given lifetime you know you'll spend something like a hundred thousand hours at work over a lifetime i bet there are some people there going yeah i feel like that now already (laughs) the question is if we if we're going to spend that much time at work and whilst we're a church of all ages and backgrounds that also recognizing that god is has uniquely shaped us with a disproportionate amount of professionals that, that, that work here compared to other churches, then the question is, what if my work was more than just a duty or necessity, but my mission? What if my work was my mission? Now, here's how that can happen. You're thinking, how can my work be a mission? And some of you are thinking, oh, I've, I've retired. This message doesn't apply to me. Uh, yeah, it does. Just wait a second. Here's the thing, the gospel gives you a new set of glasses, a view of work as the means by which God blesses the culture that he's placed you into. And how does that happen? Why does that happen? 
You see, it's about the, the forward back nature of the gospel. If Jesus is resurrected, matter matters to God. The world around us matters to God. And so here's how the gospel shapes that. The first thing it does is that the gospel changes our understanding of work. It changes our understanding of work. Now, that's where some of you are going, oh, I'm not a professional. I don't work. I'm retired. I'm a, I'm a professional grandparent. That's what I am, but I'm retired. No, look, you're not looking at work through a gospel lens. You see, Colossians 3.23, Paul says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord and not for men. There's a third dimension to work here underneath what the average person thinks that work is, Right? What does the average person think work is? The average person thinks work's just what you do to get a paycheck and work's what you turn up to do as a nine-to-fiver. And yet Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, why is that? Well, you've got to get a biblical view of work and to do that, you've got to go all the way back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 2 at the beginning of the Bible. And it says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array and by the seventh day God had finished the work that he'd been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from his work. And then in verse 8 of chapter 2, Now the living God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And then in verse 15 of chapter 2, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. What is that? Here's what it is. That's God working. We worship a God who gets his... Not like the Greek gods and all the other gods where just set up in the sky with hammers and all sorts of other funny tools. And we, we worship a God that's got his fingers in the dirt. Not only that, here's the surprising thing. Work is in paradise. Work is in paradise. He puts, he puts his people into the garden to work it. Now, so the biblical view of work is totally different from the world. Work is good. God worked. He created work. He created us to work. He created the world around us. And the care and the cultivation of that culture is so important that he's going to come day, one day and redeem and restore it. And the resurrection is proof of that. Now, that means, here's what it means for you this morning. Whether you're a mum, whether you're an executive, whether you're a mathematician, whether you're a hole digger, Work of all kinds has meaning and importance to God because whether it's with the mind or with the hands, it reflects the creator in all of us. Look at that image in Genesis chapter 1. What's he doing? He's a gardener. You know, what do gardeners do? Do they pave it or do they leave it? Depends if you live in the inner west and it's, you've got a little courtyard, you just let it do its own thing. But no, gar- gardeners work it. A gardener steps back from it. it looks, a gardener looks at the potential. The gardener maps it out. And the gardener uses their God-given talents and abilities to work out how to make this garden better. And so here we have the definition of work. Work is not your job, retiree or person in between jobs. Work is to take raw materials and... and to use your God-given creativity to flourish the culture around you. And so if Genesis and the garden's a representation of the culture around us, there are implications. Here's the first one. The culture's not your enemy. The world out there is not our enemy. And more importantly, the culture out there is not to be avoided because God put you in the middle of the garden. We're given work to do, God worked, and deeper than that, we're, we're to share in the very thing that God has done to bring order out of chaos 
creativity out of nothing. He's left gaps in the creation so that we might be able to step into that. That's, that's incredible. Can there be a no more nobler definition of work? Who turns up to work singing like that on a Monday? <laughs> work is to take the material around you and combine it with your creativity for the purpose of flourishing the culture that God has put you in. To take the raw materials in your creativity and to flourish it. Have you grasped? Are you seeing the biblical view of work here? Now, if you see that, here's what happens. It leads to the next thing. If you have the right view, a biblical view of work, it changes your motivation for work. So Colossians 3.23 again, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if, as if working for God and not for men. Why do people work? Have you ever heard that phrase, living for the weekend? Or you're wondering if you work to live or you live to work? You know, why, do, why do people work? Most people, yeah, they work for the weekend or for the money or for the approval and the status. Here's a question though. What if you're living for the weekend and the boss calls you back? What if you're working for money and the paycheck doesn't come in? What if you are really working for approval and the promotion doesn't happen? What does that do to your motivation for work? You see, if you are viewing your work through the lens of the gospel, it gives you a whole new motivation for work. 3.23 in Colossians says, now you have a new audience, you are working for God. And what that means is if, if, work, if, if work is no longer your means of success or significance or survival or approval or happiness, what it now means is work can become your mission field. In fact, the word vocation, you know, it comes from the uh, Latin word vocare, which means calling. So your vocation now for God actually becomes a mission. It becomes your calling. And so you're thinking, well, how does it become my mission and calling? If you, if you view work through these gospel lenses, it's a good thing. It's a means by which God is flourishing the culture around you. Then now your perspective becomes, as you move into these places, not just a job, but into the social situations and the family situations and the situations you're using your creativity. You're asking now in that context, how can I flourish this? How, how can I improve this culture that I sit in? Whether I'm a mum, whether I'm a bus driver, whether I'm an executive, whether I'm a grandparent. If you, begin, if you, if you work for God, you begin to ask, how can I flourish my context psychologically and physically and economically? And spiritually, I mean, how many of us turn up to work like that? <laughs> Hopefully we will turn up to work a bit different tomorrow. And here's what it means practically. It means if, you, if you've got a high-pressure job, it means the gospel prevents you from being anxious and burnt out and over-worried about it because now work is no longer your means to identity and success because you work for God and you don't work for anyone else. But here's what it also means. If, if you're a hole digger or you think that your work feels meaningless or you feel like your work is just digging holes, then Paul is saying, no, look at the big picture here. The gospel's transforming the way that you, you are there to flourish the culture around you, whether you're just punching invoices or not. And I've been there. The gospel changes your motivation for work. The view changes the motivation. The most high-pressure jobs become bearable. The most meaningless-feeling jobs become noble. 
Here's the last thing it does then. If it not only changes your view, but your motivation, the gospel changes the way that we actually do our work. You see, if God has placed you and I into our culture for the purpose of flourishing it, then the question is, what is the vision for a gospel-centered church and the culture around us? What should our approach be to that? And the approach should be one of two things. You know, we live in a world where everything is secular and faith, right? Everything is non-God. Everything is science and facts and faith. And what it's meant for us, those around the workplace, is that you don't talk about your faith at work, right? And if you do, then there's that risk that sometimes it's, it's overzealous, overbearing types that talk about their faith in the workplace. And so our approach needs to be in the middle of, on one hand, we don't want to privatize our faith. And on the other hand, we don't want to be overbearing or even at worst create Christian subcultures where we withdraw from the world and we just have Christian schools and Christian businesses and every employee is a Christian and we're just, that's... It's, it, we want to find a balance in the middle. What should our approach be? Yeah, are you up for a case study? I love the way that God does this whenever I've got to preach this stuff. Uh, this week, Catalyst, Thursday night. I hope she's okay with me sharing it. I didn't text her, so I'll ask her before tonight and she won't hear the morning podcast. But um, <laughs> one, of, one of our young adult women has been asking me to pray for her work situation. She comes bounding in. She said, Sam, like this is starting to happen. You wouldn't believe it. Like I've had interview after interview. Uh, speaking to people in Singapore, everything just seems to be falling into place. I, I can't believe it. And I'm going, that's fantastic. Praise God. Answer the prayer. And she goes, yeah, but I've just got a bit of a challenge here. I said, well, what is that? She says, well, everything's happening. It looks like I'm going to be the candidate. But the challenge is with this marketing firm that one of my major clients is going to be a distributor of alcohol. Now, I'll pause for a second because as, as someone who's lost his mum to alcoholism, you know, I, I could be the first one as a pastor to say, get away, <laughs> stay out, don't go near that. We need to ban that stuff. And wouldn't that exactly be the sort of response you'd see from a legalistically centered church? You know, don't do that. Stay away from that. We need to ban that. But you see, a gospel centered church that sees the world through the lens of the gospel looks at that job and says, you know what? Alcohol's not the real problem. In fact, there, there's an even deeper problem here. The problem underneath the problem is the fallenness of God's good creation. A gospel-centered church looks at the story above all stories and says, no, the problem underneath the problem is that God's creation is good. He put us into the garden to work it. He intended things to be whole and healthy and real. And then sin invades that and infects that and breaks down humanity corporately and individually. So the systems around us push against us. And individually there is broken thought and there's broken will and there's broken emotion and there's broken relationships. Alcohol's, alcohol's just the surface symptom of a much deeper root and cause. And yet, yet through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see that God is going to come and he's the God who says in Revelations, I will make all things new. 
That is not how it is meant to be. And so the gospel-centered view of the world is actually far more pessimistic and far more optimistic than the average person will ever look at the world. It's far more pessimistic. It says, you think alcohol is a problem? No, nah, it is far worse and unsolvable than that. And yet it's so more optimistic. We worship a God who raised from the dead. He's making all things new. We're not just going to slow this process. One day he's going to wipe it out. That, that brings me great hope. It gives me, us a great strength and a boldness to say to this young woman, no more than that as a Christian, God has placed you into that imperfect culture to flourish it. Th- those workplaces need Christians in there. They need gospel-centered people in there. To help give a balanced view of the world around us. It's both pessimistic and optimistic. And so what that means for us is we want to avoid cultural confrontation. We don't want to be a legalistic church that says, get out, that's wrong. The Bible says you shouldn't be a drunkard. That's wrong, get out. No, it's far more nuanced than that. But nor do we want to be a church that just assimilates into our culture, privatizes our faith and says nothing at all. We want to be, here's what we want to be. We want to be a center of a cultural renewal. We want to be a church where people come in, ask these tough questions, wrestle it out with their pastors and their friends and their connection groups and says, this is not an easy answer. All the dominoes seem to be falling towards the job. It looks like the perfect one. What do I do this? How do I apply the gospel to this? And when we do that, it could mean, for example, that moving forward in the future, we're a church that has vocationally based connection groups rather than geographically based connection groups. That instead of turning up to home on Tuesday night, you turn up to a table in the food court of Australia Square to meet with a whole bunch of other lawyers and wonder how you are going to work and wrestle out to flourish the legal profession. It, it, it could mean that Christians coming from Northside flow out into the world and now see their businesses not just as a proposition to increase their net present value, but as a means to resource the kingdom of God. It could mean, church, that the manager who makes, it goes into the workplaces of our banks and our CBD workplaces and corporates now make decisions not on the basis of the unspoken dog-eat-dog culture that is around them, but on the audience, the one audience that they have, that is God. What it means, too, is that for the grandparent, every hug, every nappy, every crayon is flourishing. See, see, see how the gospel can transform the way that we view work? Here's what I want to say to you this morning. If there's one thing, you've got to get this. God has placed you into your culture, not just as an exile. We learned about that last week. But he's placed you into your culture as a missionary. And he calls you in to do this one thing this week, to tend the garden that he has placed you in. There are Northsiders in government. There are Northsiders in healthcare. There's Northsiders in education. There's Northsiders in business. There's Northsiders in the arts. And in a church where God's unique shape of our makeup is that, yes, we are predominantly professionals, even though there is a broad spectrum here. What it may mean for some of you in our new season is that to engage in the mission of God here at Northside is not just to get on a plane to Madagascar, which, by the way, is vitally important. But it may mean... That the way that you engage into the mission of God in our future is to simply work distinctly and excellently for God in the secular positions that he's placed you. You're to tend the garden. 
you to flourish the culture. And so the gospel changes our view of work. It changes our motivation for work. It changes how we work. And if we bring all of these things together, your work now is no longer just a means to make money. Your work is no longer just a means to get identity and approval. Your work also is not just a nine to five. If you are in between jobs or you don't, you don't see your job as meaningful or purposeful, whatever you do, says Paul, do it for God. Work now becomes your mission field. And your work is the intersection, the miraculous intersection of, 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 of your purpose and, and God's gap in the creation and this thing called creativity. And you are partnering with him in that miracle as you bring your God-given talents and abilities to flourish the, the gardens around you. <sighs> are you seeing that this morning? We got it? Good. Because you need to be saying to yourself when you drive home this morning, what I see shapes who we'll be. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for the power of your gospel. We thank you for what you are doing in this place. Father, uh, we dare to believe that we're going to be shaped and changed by your word this morning. Father, we dare to see a much bigger picture, a, lot, a much greater picture, a, a new picture, a less Oxley Street focused picture of what it is that you're calling us to do here as a church. Father, I pray for those that um, are in between jobs at the moment or struggling with their jobs at the moment. Lord, I know it's just one thing to talk words here this morning, but I'm praying that through your Holy Spirit, you're going to give them a, a fresh and a new view of what they move into this week and and that is going to give them energy. They're going to whistle while they work because they know that they're not defined by their work or lack of it. Father, I'm, I'm praying for those that are in the heart of, let's be real, an unbelieving and a tough and a dog-eat-dog and a self-interested culture in the workplaces that we have in our city. And Father, I'm praying that there's just going to be a bunch of people moving out into the CBD and into Rose and into the beaches and into Parramatta and into the southern Sydney this week with a whole new vision and a passion, a, a new vocare, a, a new calling, a new vocation, Heavenly Father, because your gospel has shaped what they are seeing. Father, begin to move and work ahead of us. There is work to be done in this city on your behalf and Lord you're going to need to inspire people you're going to need to um, shake the scales off some of our eyes you're going to need to open up opportunities uh, in everything from our schools to the boardrooms so that we might begin to flourish this city for your purposes for those in families the grandparents and the mums and the family friends and the aunties and the uncles and the pseudo aunties and uncles father may they too walk out of this place knowing that they are called to tend those gardens whatever we do father all work is from you and it's good and it's beautiful help us rediscover that week rediscover that this week in jesus mighty name amen